weeks. I want to invite you to go ahead and turn in the Bible you brought with you this morning or your Bible app to the book of Jonah. A little faster to find it in an app. The uh, Jonah kind of hides from us. He's uh, in the minor prophets, not because he's less or tiny, but because his book is small. Uh, so go ahead and turn there. Well, I found that one of the best ways to find Jonah is to go to the New Testament, find Matthew, and work your way back into the uh, Old Testament to you. You find uh, Micah, and then uh, Jonah and Micah are next-door neighbors. And this uh, translation and edition of the Holy Bible, it's all on one, one page, just like two pages, just like that. I can open it and have Jonah right there. Most prophets that we read in Scripture, we read their sermons. In Jonah, we get to read his story. Stories are important. Stories of how God has shown up in your life is important. You'll notice once again this week as a bulletin insert, we have a little pamphlet there of how to prepare and share your testimony. Uh, Your story is significant. Your story, Bob, is important. You sharing your story of how Jesus has showed up in your life is important. We are past the time of just clergy sharing their story. Stories need to be shared by the laity, by all of us, how God has shown up, transformed your life. From the smallest moment, Lee, that you think is insignificant, when you share that, The Lord will use that small, seemingly insignificant story to impact somebody, if you share it. But if you keep it held up, nobody's going to hear it. Share your story. Share your story. It's important. Last Friday night, one of our own, Linda Olson, shared her story. Friday night in our fellowship hall. I've heard her share her story in the past, and she says, I was instructed to tell people about it. Share your story. So Jonah's a prophet. We get his story. We see in the very beginning that Yahweh speaks. Last week, I preached on Yahweh is still speaking to us. He says to Jonah, get up and go to Nineveh. Who's Nineveh? Nineveh is the capital of Assyria. They are a brutal, conquering, feared people. Maybe like the children in our nursery, since we're having a hard time getting volunteers to go to the nursery. Jonah was called to go. He said no. Jonah went in the other direction toward Tarshish. Uh, That's over in Spain. Uh, He would have gone across the uh, Mediterranean Sea. Uh, practically to the ends of the earth to escape Yahweh. And so he boards a boat. And when he boards the boat, we are introduced to some new characters in the story. The sailors on this boat are radically different from Jonah. The, The very type of people that Jonah is refusing to go speak to He ends up with the very type of people he's trying to flee on this boat. Pagans who worshipped many gods, who believe there are many gods, are in control of the universe. So up to this point into the story, Yahweh has spoken. And now with Jonah on the boat with these sailors, he hurls a wind. 
It reminds me of a sitcom that came on years ago. Uh, there was a boat trip, and there was a skinny, goofy comedian guy. Y'all remember that? And called Gilligan's Island. It reminds me of that song, a three-hour tour. Uh, think about the, the boat being tossed. Uh, think about the sailors being afraid. Think about this. You're on a cruise ship. And it's just a little bit of turbulence and the staff is just going along on their business. But think if the staff and the crew of the cruise ship start panicking. That's the kind of situation we're in. Professional sailors are panicking at this storm. Each sailor cries out to, to his God, the God of his own land, begging for deliverance. Nothing happens. And so they do what they know. They do what they've always done. When the storm comes, what do you do? You lighten the load. So they begin lightening the load, hurling cargo. Yahweh hurled a wind, and now the sailors are hurling a cargo. What was that ship likely taking? We, we know by historical records that ships along that, that line would have been carrying gold, silver, iron, Cedar, ebony, and ivory, that reminds me of another song, uh, copper, jewels, wine. Them hurling the cargo was a costly move to save themselves. But where is Jonah? <laughs> Jonah's asleep. What's he asleep to? Is he asleep to Yahweh's presence, the one he's trying to outrun? It reminds me of, of Romans 8, where can we flee to get away from God's love? Nowhere. I mean, that's Lee's prayer phrase. Is Jonah asleep to the death and destruction that is coming upon him and the sailors? He's in the same boat as the sailors. He's in midst of the danger and the peril, and he is asleep. Calling on their gods did not calm the storm. So the captain goes below deck and he shouts out to Jonah, Call on your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us. He's asked some questions. Those three questions, get to know your questions. <laughs> Jonah identifies himself as a Hebrew. And his God is Yahweh, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. Would you say that with me? The God of heaven who made the sea and the land. The God of heaven who made the sea and the land. Jonah is to blame for this storm. This runner from the God of heaven who made the sea and the land is to blame. Jonah's a good Tennessean. He volunteers to be thrown overboard. To save the ship. But the sailors respect his life more than he respects his own. And they refuse to throw him overboard. Instead, they do what they've always known. They row. But rowing doesn't save them. And they cry out to Yahweh, to, to Jonah's God. They cry out to Yahweh and they throw Jonah overboard. And in the midst of the storm, Jonah has identified and offers praise to who Yahweh is. In the midst of the storm, Jonah identifies and praises Yahweh for who he is and transformation is about to come to the sailors on that ship. It reminds me of a story from our own heritage. John Wesley, 
came to Georgia on a missionary journey. A failed missionary journey. He decides it's time to go back to England. So he boards a ship. And guess what that ship encounters? A storm, a hurricane. John Wesley writes in his journey, a journal, I, I, he was afraid. But he saw a group of people on that ship that weren't afraid. What were they doing? They were singing songs, choir. In the midst of the storm, they were singing songs. They were praising God with hymns in the midst of the storm. You see, when we are in the midst of the storm and we see others in the midst of the storm, if we will acknowledge God for who God is and offer Him praises, it's a catalyst for transformation. That's why, church, it's important for us to praise the Lord. No matter what's going on in our lives, it's important for us to open our mouths with the very breath that He has given us and for us to praise the Lord no matter what's going on in life. No matter what ship you're on or what the storm is raging. You know, we're not so different from the sailors. In the storms of life, have you leaned on other gods, smaller g gods, to get through? In the storms of life, have you re- relied on your bank account and finances? Have you relied on your affluence, tradition, education, and knowledge? Have you relied on the way we've always done it, your comfort zone? Have you relied, have you rushed in the middle of the storm to retail therapy? Amazon sure did make a lot of money during the COVID, didn't it? In the midst of the storm, have you run to a little G-God called alcohol or any other addiction? Have you run to pornography and busyness? Maybe we're not so different from the sailors after all. We're not so different from Jonah either, I don't think, because Jonah, uh, being, being asleep in Scripture, often has a deeper meaning to show that that person is asleep to what God is doing. Paul writes in Ephesians, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and the light of Christ will shine on you. Are we asleep to what God is doing in our community? Are we asleep to the realities of the destruction around us? Are we asleep to the raging storms against our children and our youth? Are we asleep to the reality of hopelessness and confusion in our society? Wake up, O sleeper! Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. We're not so much different from Jonah. We're not so much different from the sailors Don't we also seek safety in our own strength, our own rowing, when we should be waiting? But they that wait upon Yahweh shall renew their strength, mount up with wings as eagles, run and not be faint, walk and not grow weary. Maybe we're moving when we should be still and know. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The reality is that when we are hard pressed, when we are in a pickle, when we are in the storms of life, our values will surface above our beliefs and guide us. 
Our following of Jesus is not just a belief system, but it is a values transformation. Missionaries in Africa tell stories of going into whole communities and villages and everybody converting to Jesus. They're worshiping, they're praising, they're building the church. But something happens to one of the children. And instead of taking it to the church for the church to pray, instead of taking it to the Lord, they go back to an old value called the witch doctor and they ask the witch doctor to take care of it. Have your values surfaced above your beliefs when times are tough? We are moved by our deepest values when times get tough. And following Jesus, being a disciple, is as much about value transformation as belief. It's likely that Jonah was a non-swimmer. A non-swimmer tossed overboard and the storm stops. What's amazing is that the sailors, the unbelievers, are finding Jonah's life as a witness. The character of his God is showing up in their life in the midst of their storm. And Jonah has completely blown it. He said, go. God said, go. Jonah said, no. There's some assurance in that for us. That when we've blown it, Jesus through us will still shine. There is times when we blow it, but because we've been with Jesus, Jesus will still shine through us blowing it. Calm seas produce great awe. Yahweh has acted in great power. The sailors recognize the great power of Yahweh, and they offer sacrifices and vow to serve Him. Jonah, meanwhile... Sinks to a watery grave. But Yahweh is not done. Yahweh is supreme over all the deities of the sailor's world. He is supreme over the sea, over the Leviathan, and even supreme over a stubborn prophet. Yahweh speaks, summons, and a sea creature responds. Yahweh spoke to Jonah And he ran. A lifeguard arrives as a a large fish. And studying with uh, our Tuesday morning uh, Bible study, we're going to find out. The Mythbusters did a study on this, right? Uh, Sandra Richter, who's leading that, uh, dove in that a little deeper, and she found out that it's plausible. This is not just a, this is not a fairy tale. It's plausible. Likely a male sperm whale who sw- opens his mouth and swallows food whole, food will go into the first stomach where there is trapped air, and food can, can sit there in that first stomach for days before it's taken on back to the digestive stomach. During those days, the whale is choosing what it wants to eat and what it doesn't want to eat. If it's got something in there it doesn't want to eat, it'll, it'll spit it out. So we have an obedient fish and a disobedient prophet. So this brings us to our scripture reading today. You've got Jonah open, but before we get there, 
I want to talk about this prayer. It's a prayer from the depths of the ocean, cramped in the belly of a fish. I think Pinocchio ruined this for me. Uh, Pinocchio swallowed by a fish, and there seems to be plenty of room for Pinocchio. Uh, Jonah's probably in the fetal position. This is a fetal position prayer. You ever been in the fetal position praying? Driven to your knees, to your face, your face on the carpet, fetal position kind of prayer. Jonah went down to Joppa. He went down to the bottom of a ship. He went down into the depths. He went down into the belly. And we're fixed to hear him say, I'm at the roots of the mountains. That's all the way down. Stripped of his own buoyancy and his own self-sufficiency. And now deliverance is possible. It's here without being buoyant done with our self-sufficiency where we humans are most reachable when everything has fallen apart our own schemes our own plans our wealth our knowledge our education all of our resources are exhausted this is where God can finally reach us have you been in fetal position prayer prayer at the bottom Fish belly prayer, pig pen prayer, all alone with God, all dependent on God. This cycle of I have sinned, I have disobeyed God, there are consequences, there is acknowledgement of that, there is confession, and now there is restoration. The real deliverance for Jonah is restoration in the fish, not being released back on dry land. Jonah chapter 2. Verses 1 through 9. Then Jonah prayed to Yahweh his God from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to Yahweh in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Yahweh, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O Yahweh, you have driven me from your presence, yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O Yahweh, my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. And my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise. And I will fulfill all my vows. For my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Now we got to look at Jonah's heart. 
Now we have a look at Jonah's emotion. Most likely, Jonah prayed this prayer some psalms he had memorized. What songs, prayers, scriptures are deep within you that you rely on in the times of distress? What we ingest, we regurgitate in stress and in crisis. That's one reason it's important to ingest the Word of God and to sing the songs of our faith so that they can pour forth from your mouth when you're in peril. In his despair, Jonah cried out to God, choosing to pray. Hope in despair. What are you... I don't think we're in a belly of a fish today. But what are you stressed about? What are you stressed about? What's bringing stress in your life this morning? For me, it's a attendance that's not back to pre-COVID attendance numbers. That's stressful. I may not voice that all the time, but it's stressful. I'm stressed out about our denominational situation. It's stressful. I may not rely, relay that message, but it's stressful. Two United Methodist preachers in my household, it's stressful. It has brought us to fetal position, praying and crying out to the Lord. We are stressed about it. What storm are you in? What storm are you anticipating? Are you willing to set aside any kind of pride and humble yourself to fetal position prayer and cry out to the God, to God? As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross over to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and they started out, leaving the crowds behind. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. (laughs) Who is this man? Even the wind and the waves obey him. What's the name of your boat? It's got you stressed and de-stressed. What's the name of your boat? Look and see Jesus in the boat saying to what's causing you stress and distress, peace, silence, be still.
Jesus is the radiance of God's own glory. The character of the, the very character of God. And He sustains everything by the mighty power of His command. Jesus is God in flesh. Jesus is the Word of God who made His home on earth. The Almighty Creator and Sovereign Lord. He was in the boat at the Sea of Galilee in that storm What is it that they're afraid of? The winds and the waves, they answer Him. They listen to the voice of their Maker. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank You that in the storm of life, no matter what the name of our boat is, You are there. Lord, so many things occupy our mind and our thoughts. We are a stressed out people. We see hopelessness in our community. We see bickering and backbiting. Division in our community, Jesus. Wake us up by the power of your Holy Spirit that we might offer a different alternative. (laughs) The alternative of Jesus. The alternative of hope. Awaken us, Holy Spirit. Awaken us from our slumber. Awaken your church, Jesus. Awaken us, Lord Jesus. Lord, our denomination is in distress. So Lord, help us to see you in the boat with us. Help us to turn our eyes to you, Lord Jesus. Lord, in our personal lives, in our life as a congregation, we have turned to other gods, little g gods. And Lord, I repent of that in my life. And in behalf of this congregation, I repent of those times that we, in our past, have turned to other gods and not to you, Lord Jesus. So, Lord Jesus, you are to have first place in everything. You are life itself. Create in us a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within us. Give us your grace to turn to you in the midst of storms. First and foremost. The most powerful name I can ever utter from my lips, I pray. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, amen.